We're so glad that you're here this morning. I'd like to welcome all those that are watching online with us. We're starting a new series called Through the Times. We're going to look at the different decades and some of the major things that happen. And we're going to bring some godly lessons to this time. So today we're talking about the 60s, but I want to give a few shout outs to those that are watching right now online. Marilyn and Roman from Seminole. Denny from Clearwater, and Gwen Conrad from Juarez, Mexico, one of our many missionaries that we support monthly. Keep doing a good work, Gwen Conrad. We love you, and we love all those that are watching online right now. Next week, we're going to have our commitment, our one-year commitment, and a miracle offering for Expand Your Reach. For those that haven't been in touch with what's happening, we were gifted a campus in South Tampa. We're gonna completely remodel that. We're buying a new refrigerator truck for Helping Hands. We're building out as we start a new Southeastern University campus here at Countryside, as well as we're completely rebuilding the Mother Church for Compassion in Nicaragua. Somebody's gotta do it, right? It might as well be us. So next week, we're asking you just to pray. Pray about what God would have you to do in a one-year commitment. We're gonna have a, a miracle offering. As much as we can get up front, the more we're gonna be able to do. We're launching the new campus in January of 2022. That's our goal. But let me tell you, how we do things like this, it's together. And amazingly, we are already over $450,000 towards our goal. And we haven't even had the rest of our congregation do a commitment. So next week, just pray and do what God tells you to do. You ready to get in God's Word today? How many of you brought your Bibles? Amen. Or you can hold up your phones. A lot of people have your phone. Father, we thank you for your Word. It never changes. So mold us and shape us into your image through your Word. Feed us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can follow along in the notes that are in your weekend guide. There's a lot of blanks that you're going to fill in with this. So as we talk about the times, we're starting with the 1960s. And we're looking at all these different decades and how culture changes. But as we look at culture, culture will always change and rotate and do different things. But the word of God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So no matter what's going on around us, we're going to be faithful to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our plumb line is always lined up, our moral plumb line, with the word of God. Culture tries to shift the plumb line way over to the left or way over to the right, but we always want to line up our vision, our morality, how we live our lives according to God's word. Can you say amen to that? Isaiah chapter 40. This is the verse that we're going to look at each week. It's the life verse of this series, and we're going to look at that today. It says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. We live in crazy times, but the word of God will stand forever. As we look at the 60s today, I want to ask how many of you were born or alive in the 60s? My fellow AARP members, well, we're a lot of you here, that's wonderful. I can remember about five years ago when my wife came in from the mail and she said, I've been waiting on this for you. This is a very special day, Glenn. And I thought it was like a birthday card for my mom or for one of you. And it wasn't. It should have been, but it wasn't. It was an invitation at age 50 to join AARP. 
I was deeply hurt, deeply offended, wounded beyond belief, and I took that invitation and I opened the trash can. Not today, Satan. Went right into the gas. And I lived in rebellion to the AARP invitation. It kept coming. But I realized after three years that the 10% discount to Outback was more valuable than my gut and my pride, so I joined at age 53. But I wanna look today, and we're gonna look at different things of the 60s. What did things cost in the 1960s? Are you ready for this? The average cost of a new house, $12,700. The cost of a toilet in 2021. The average monthly rent, $98 a month. The average cost of a gallon of gas, 25 cents a gallon. On a week where many areas have crossed over the $3 mark. I'm sorry, when I talk about money, I get emotional. You know, this $3 gas, it's just really, it's, it's hard on me. But I'm okay, I'm okay. The average cost of a new car, $2,600 for a new car. Something that we all ate when we were going through high school, a can of ravioli, 30 cents. A loaf of bread, 20 cents. So as I look at these prices, it's, it's kind of just kind of jumps out at me about, whoa, prices have definitely gone up. But the 60s was a time of change where you could feel the shift from focusing on God. A nation that was so God-centered began to shift from focusing on God to show, focusing on self and oneself. And what feels good, do it. Doesn't matter what the morality of it is. If it feels good, go ahead and do it. It was during the 60s that prayer was taken out of the public schools. And so something that was so important, and we see studies that have shown the decline, and I'm going to share some of that in just a little bit, of the decline that began to happen in America when prayer was taken out of the public schools. It was a crazy time of music. That was when the Beatles hit America. And then many of you guys who now don't have any hair, um, you had the Beatles hairdo with the moppy hair. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to insult people that didn't have hair. I'm losing a lot of hair, so I don't know why I said that. The fashion of the time. Ponchos. Remember Mickey Dolan's from the monkey? Oh, I love that poncho he wore. Moccasins. How many had some moccasins? Oh, I see some of the, some of the, some people. Love beads. I told my wife for service, she's with the grandkids right now. I said, I'm going to buy you some love beads this weekend. Uh, medallion chains, peace signs were really, really big. Chain belts, polka dot printed fabrics were really big at the time. We see that. Um, puffy sleeve shirts were very in fashion. Both men and women, they would wear bell-bottom jeans. Remember the bell-bottoms of the time that were kind of frayed at the bottom? They're coming back. It's all cyclical. I'm just waiting on that mullet to come back. When it comes back, I'm in, man. I can't wait. Tie-dyed shirts, work shirts. A lot of guys would wear these garage shirts with their name on them. That was very, very popular. 
Um, Jesus sandals. I think countryside, we need to bring back some Jesus sandals. Anything with Jesus in it, I'm all about that. And headbands were very, very popular at the time. What were the cars like at that point? The most popular car at that time just came in on the scene. It was the Ford Mustang was very iconic in 1964. Wow, that got got more praise than Jesus sandals. (laughs) The Chevy Camaro, the Chevy Corvette. And you'll see in the lobby today, you could get a picture with a real Corvette, a 1960 Corvette, except it's a cartoon. And so it's real, but it's a cartoon. And I want to encourage you, get your pictures taken with your family. Each week, we're going to have a car of the decade that's going to be a cutout. That's going to be a really cool thing that you can get in the lobby. The Volkswagen Beetle was a big deal. The Volkswagen Microbus. Lincoln Continentals. How many of your dads drove a Continental? Oh, yeah. Plymouth Barracuda. Shelby Cobra. The Super Bowl started in 1967. The first two winners were the Green Bay Packers of the Super Bowl. In 1969, it was Joe Namath's New York Jets. It's been pretty sad. Few decades, New York Jets. <laughs> Go Bucks. Come on. So this is going to be a really, really fun, fun series as we go through the decades and we look at all the different highlights. Before we move forward in the message today, I would like all the fathers to stand up, if you would. All of the fathers in the room, stand up. Come on, women, let's go, come on. Yes. I just want to speak to you fathers, just for a moment. I want you to know how important your voice is with your children and in your family. I wanna honor you for being in church on Father's Day, leading the way spiritually with your family. So important, so important. I honor you for being men of God that put God first in every area of your life. God will bless your family because of that. I wanna encourage those that may be estranged from your adult children. You be the father that makes the call that says, I love you. Your words mean so much. Words that my father said when I was younger still are right in the forefront of how I live my life today. So today, fathers, we bless you, we honor you, and we thank God for each and every one of you today. So God bless you, fathers. I want to say happy Father's Day to my dad. Dad, you are such a great man. It's been a hard year for for my dad. He's had two strokes this year. And it's been really, really difficult. But dad, I'm, I'm who I am today because of your leadership and how you led our home spiritually. I know you're watching right now. A funny story with my dad. Uh, we used to ride motorcycles as a kid. So we had our Honda 100, Yamaha 125, Honda 70, Honda 50. I can remember we were in a big field that we went out riding our motorcycles one day. And me and my brothers were riding and we got close to a house and my, my motorcycle stalled. And this older guy came out yelling at us. He was swearing at us, you kids, get out of the yard. We weren't even in his yard. Well, my dad pulled up in his Yamaha 125. Now, let me just describe my dad. Many of you know him from Helping Hands. He's almost 86 now. But my dad was a well driller where he, he would screw pipe into the ground every single day. So he had forearms like Popeye, veins ripping out of them. My dad was a sweet, 
kind, soft-spoken country man. I'm just, it's a great memory. So this guy's yelling at us. And my dad pulled up, turned off his motorcycle. He goes, who are you yelling at? I'm yelling at these kids. And he threw his motorcycle down. And he said, I want you to yell at me. And he ran up. That, that guy told oh. <laughs> I always felt that if something went wrong with me, my dad had my back. So, Dad, I want to honor you today and say thank you for that. So as we look in the 60s and we look at these different dates in your notes, we need to understand that even though time changed, times change, God never does. ABC News presents the flight of Apollo 11, beginning 30 hours of continuous coverage of the lunar landing. Good day from ABC Space Headquarters in New York. It is July 20th, 1969, and man is about to land on the moon. Eagle will touch down approximately four hours and 17 minutes from now, if the flight plan as it is now established uh, goes forward as scheduled. With me is our science editor, Jules Bergman, and we will be here from now on for what uh, will be uh, truly a historic time in the life of our country and in the existence of mankind. The two astronauts who will make the landing on the moon, uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, have already entered the LAM. They have been in it for several hours checking it out. The last word is that all systems are performing very well. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for That was an enormous deal for America. It made Americans feel like they can do absolutely anything. If we can get on the moon and man can walk on the moon, for me as a kid, I thought, wow, I thought it was cheese. You can walk on the moon. It was absolutely crazy. But what can happen when we feel like we can do anything on our own? It's a very dangerous place to be. Because the focus then becomes, we're focused on what we can do in ourselves, and we feel like we don't need God. We can do anything we want to do. Who needs God? We can do it. And what can happen is pride can seep in. As Americans, I'm not saying the, the landing on the moon did this, but we've seen a lot of pride in America, feeling like we're better than other people, better than other nations. And it's important as Christians and followers of Christ that we always keep our minds God-focused, Without God, I cannot do anything. God and us make a majority. So when we focus on what God can do through us, it's nothing short of a miracle. 
So we saw prayer taken out of schools in 1962. So if you look at what the main deals that kids went through in the 1940s, in the 1950s, this is what their main discipline areas were. Talking out of turn. Chewing gum. I, some of the teachers are like, whoo, they can chew gum in my class compared to what we have now. Making noise. That was a problem, making noise. Thank God I, I wasn't raised in the 40s and 50s because I made a lot of noise. Running in the halls, cutting line, dress code violations, and littering. Those were the top seven things that were problems with the generation of the 40s and 50s. Took prayer out of school. If you do studies, you can see the morality of our nation began to tumble to ungodly amounts of violence. Violent crimes within a very short time went up 550%. Murders went up 1,000%. We saw all these things change. But in schools, this is back in 1990, what became a bigger deal than chewing gum, this became the norm of the, of the, of the students in the 1990s. Drug abuse. Alcohol abuse, teenage pregnancy, suicide, rape, robbery, assault. Wow. We saw the morality compass of our nation begin to turn so me-focused. And what I want to do and what makes me feel good, it went completely off of God, culminating with an event called Woodstock, where they gather together with the idea of whatever feels good, do it. Far out. Whoa, LSD, quaaludes, psychedelic drugs, marijuana, all the different uses where we could just hang out and feel good. Our founding pastor did an incredible impersonation of a hippie because he was one. Far out, man. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8, it says, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light of the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good, right, and true. So no matter what the moral compass of our culture is, us, the church, followers of Jesus Christ, we are always, no matter what's happening around us, we are the light of the world. Students, they may not be able to pray with adults leading it, but students are able to gather and to pray when it's student-led. And we've seen over the years many, many students. They have a thing called See at the Poll, September 15th. Every year, students gather around the poll, and they lead one another in prayer. But I want to encourage you, wherever you are, no matter what the moral compass of your workplace may be, or your school, or wherever you're surrounded with a lot of ungodly people, remember who you are. You're the light of the world. You're the one that, with being the light, can show up. Light always conquers darkness. I worked at the post office for 10 years. When I was there, it was a dark place. It was a sad place. It was morally wrong in so many ways. Every week, people would go out partying and invite me. I said, no, I'm not going to go. They called me church boy. I read my Bible during my breaks. I didn't do that for attention, but guess what happened? I became a light in a very dark place. And so when people lost their parents in a tragedy, they didn't go to the ones that were partying. They came to me. When they went through hard breakups or they went through a tragedy of any kind, who did they go to? They went to the church boy because I was the light and they knew that I had the answers. You are the light. 
and you have the answers. Can you say amen to that? You see, it's not what I can do. It's what can't God do. There's nothing that God can't do. But it's so important that we remain in him. That's why it's so important to come to church, be part of fellowship, be with one another, be part of the family of God, and continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Because he's the vine. We're the branches. We have to stay close to the vine so that we can produce fruit and fruit that will remain. Let's look at John chapter 15, starting in verse 4. It says, remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch could bear fruit by itself. If it must remain in the, it must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We live in a world that says, you can do it all yourself. It's easy. Just do it. Do whatever you want. You don't need God. You don't need Christians. You don't need church. <sighs> and what can happen is we can well up with pride. Pride always comes before a fall. I've never told this story until today. But I was 16 years old. On my 16th birthday, I was getting my license to drive. That was part of the tradition. When I was a kid, you got your driver's license on your 16th birthday. Culture today, kids are like 18, 19, 20 years old. They don't have their driver's license. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? On my 16th birthday. Now, I was getting ready to go, and my mom said, Glenn, have you prayed about this? Why would I need to pray? I got this. Well, you know that you got to do parallel park. I'm like, Mom, I got this. I'm a good driver. I do that 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock hand thing. I know, I know how to drive. My dad's let me drive since I was 13 years old on the country roads. Piece of cake. So I go to the driver's test, and a lady gets in the car, and she says, are you ready to go, young man? I said, I think that I am. And I went, pulled out, and I was going 35 miles an hour in the parking lot. And she says, whoa, 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 fella, fella, you need to slow down. It didn't feel like 35. You ever been in your car where it felt like 10, but you're going like 60? That's how it felt. It felt good. She goes, you got to slow down in the parking lots. That could cause an accident. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then she took me over, she goes, I want you to parallel park. I had never parallel parked. I didn't even know what it was. And she had these two poles. And you gotta pull into between these two poles. And I'm thinking, I'm hearing my words, Glenn, my mom, you probably need to practice parallel, mom, I got this. So I pull in, pull up, halfway up here, and I'm, and I'm sideways, I'm all janked up in the middle of this thing, and then I start sweating, and then I start crying. So I'm 16 years old, I'm crying, and the lady feels bad for me. And she goes, it's okay, it's okay, calm down. She's like rubbing my arm, it's okay. And she goes, you gotta pull all the way up. And so I pull all the way up, I back in, and I hit the pole. And then she goes, it's time to do the three-point turn. So I do the three-point turn. Nobody told me you had to turn on your blinker when you're coming out of that. 
So I go back to the place, and she says, young man, I'm going to pass you. The tears dried up, and I said, thank you, ma'am. She goes, young man, you were like the nervous, most nervous driver I've ever seen in my life. I've never had anybody crying during the test before, and you're like a guy? What's going on? But even in the small things like that, who needs, who needs God? I, I got this. But remember this. In every area of our lives, remember this. It's in your notes. Without God, we can do nothing. My fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And by all NBC stations, a hotline bulletin in 10 seconds. Several shots were fired as President Kennedy's motorcade passed through downtown Dallas. The crowd screamed and lay down on the grass as the motorcade went by. It was not known if the shots were aimed at the president. Repeat, it is not known if the shots were aimed at the president. Here is a flash from the Associated Press, Dateline Dallas. Two priests who were with President Kennedy say he is dead of bullets. White House Press Secretary Malcolm Kilduff has just announced that President Kennedy died at approximately 1 o'clock Central Standard Time. He died gunshot wound in the brain. After being shot at. After being shot. By an unknown assailant. By an unknown assailant. During a motorcade drive through downtown Dallas. During a motorcade drive through downtown Dallas. We have suffered a loss that cannot be weighed. I know that the world shares the sorrow that Mrs. Kennedy and her family bear. Everyone that was 10 years old or over remember where they were when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I called my mom this week. I said, well, do you know where you were? She, without hesitation, I was at Aunt Pearl's funeral, and we heard right after the funeral exactly what happened. Pastor Naomi, I talked to her. She said I was like eight, 10 years old, whatever it was. And she said, we were on our way in our car on vacation, and we found out about John F. Kennedy getting assassinated. For some people, it was the lowest moment in their lives. How could this happen? This guy was a hero to so many people. They didn't know if it was the end of the world. What was happening? Our president is gone. We don't have a leader. It was an enormous tragedy that affected everyone in the United States at that point. But how I want to tie this into us is all of us have had tragedy in our life. All of us have had loss in our life. All of us have gone through valleys that have been so difficult and we wonder, God, where are you? I want you to know it's in those moments that God is more present than ever in our lives. When you go through pain and you go through tragedy, when you go through loss, when you go through hurt, it's important that you don't go into that valley by yourself, that you understand that God is with you. And if God's for you, who can be against you? When you're depressed, he's going to lift you up. When you're hurting and you don't have the answer, God has the answer because he loves you unconditionally. 
You are his child. You are a child of God who is right there with you in the good times, but even more so in the hard times. You are not alone. Can you say amen? Isaiah chapter 43, starting in verse 1. I want you to receive this today. It says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God knows you by name. God's got a plan for your life. He loves you. He cares for you. No matter what you may have gone through in your life, if you give it to God, he'll turn it around to bring glory to his name. So in your hurts, in your disappointments, that's what the world brings, a lot of hurt. We live in a broken world, a broken nation that's gone so far into immorality and hurt and pain and disappointments. When you're at that lowest point, reach out to the God who knows you by name. In your notes, despite what's going on in the world, understand this, God is in control. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. With this thing, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. Let freedom reign, and when it happens, when we allow freedom reign, when we let it reign from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. That gets me fired up. Free at last, a dream that God gave a normal man. A southern boy from Atlanta, Georgia, who attempted suicide when he was 12 years old because he found out that his grandmother had died. He went through his pain, but yet God gave him a dream. A dream that no matter what your background is, that you are equal, no matter what your social status is, no matter what your race is, no matter male or female, his dream was for equality and justice. God gave him a dream, just like God gives each one of us a dream. So many of us have been given dreams and we just squelch the dreams that God's given us. Church, it's time to allow those dreams to rise up because God's not done with you yet. Dream and believe God. 
Galatians chapter three, starting verse 26, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, you are all one in Christ. What is the dream that God has placed inside of your heart, church? What is that God-honoring dream that is inside of you that God placed that has not been placed in anyone else to do or to be a part of or to lead or to start or to begin to step up? Are you willing to step into what God's called you to do and who God's called you to be? To begin to live out the dreams and awaken the dreams that you've allowed to go dormant? Church, it's time to dream again. I want you to know, Right now, I am living out beyond my wildest dreams. I never thought that God would have used me. A shy, overweight, introverted kid who not only nearly failed his driving test, nearly failed his speech class, but God had a plan for my life. And I couldn't walk in what the enemy wanted me to walk in, to walk in shyness, being quiet and silent. God put a fire in my heart that began in 1987 on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. I can remember walking into the classrooms of these teenagers. They had never seen a guy this tall. So I was like a rock star. I walked in, they're like, ah! I'm like, the shy guy kind of got bold. I'm like, all right. And I began to preach and teach and every single kid in those classrooms, I can remember every single one of them gave their lives to Christ. But you see, I had to be obedient with the call that God has placed on my life. Whatever it is, you not, may not be called to come up on this stage and preach. A lot of people, they say, hey, I, want, I feel called to do that. Well, start in the nurseries, you know? Start somewhere using your gifts and your talents. You know, oftentimes we mention Jim and Beth Calvert. Here they were. He was a man that had retired from Ace Hardware that he had worked for nearly 40 years. So many people, they feel like I'm retired. God can't use me. There's a, there's a next generation. And there is that next generation that we're pouring into and we're believing God to do great, great things. But just because you're retired, you're just getting started. It was in his heart. God used me to raise money to allow kids no matter how poor they were, would be able to go to a life-changing camp at Countryside Christian Church. They've done it now for probably seven years. This year, they raised over $16,000. And right now, we have about 250 kids signed up for camp. Not one underprivileged kid is being denied access to be able to come to our camp because of a man and a wife that said, God, I have a dream to do something great to help the next generation. I think of Gary and Julie Massey. Here they are, they're retired. But God put on their heart to sew blankets and children's clothing for a hospital in Haiti. It was just the two of them. It started very simply, just the two of them out of their house. And they'd sew 15 blankets a month. They would send them. And they met with me and begin to share their dream. And I'm like, I want to be part of that dream. And then I began to share it with you as a church. And now there's nearly 20 people that are sewing for Haiti. And what used to be 20 pounds of clothes and blankets that would go to Haiti, 
This last month, we had 140 pounds of clothes and blankets that went to the poorest of the poor, the second poorest nation in this hemisphere. What's your dream? What's your burden? What's your passion? You see, God's called us to do great things with the passions he's put on our hearts. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're not saved by our works, but we are a masterpiece, a handicraft person that God created with a passion, with a dream to do good works for the kingdom of God. Number three in your notes, God has a dream for your life. God put the dreams in your heart. No matter what people have said about your dreams, no matter who's tried to squelch your dreams, no matter what people have done to try to rob you of your dreams, God put a dream in every single one of our heart that is God-given. And it's time to begin to embrace the gifts that God has placed inside of our hearts to build the kingdom of God. This Saturday is growth track. Many people are like, I want to get involved. I want to go. I want to be more involved in the church. Go to growth track this Saturday. It's from, I think, what time? It's from nine to two. We give you breakfast for free. We give you lunch for free. Some of you that are hungry are like, I'm going to go growth track just to eat. But let me tell you something that's so good about growth track is it gives you a test that shows you where you would best function in the body of Christ. So many people, they feel on the outside looking in. This is why. Because you're not using your gifts for the kingdom of God. For us, when I started, me and my wife, we started in the nursery. I was 19 years old, starting in the nursery. Four and five, I did it for five years. Faithful. I loved it. It was when I began to serve that God just did something in my heart that changed everything. and made me feel like, where would I be without my church family? Where would I be without being able to serve and to make the kingdom of God greater? Look at what God's doing with us now. Now we're expanding to Tampa. We're just getting started. And how we do it is all of us saying yes to what the kingdom of God is saying and put in your heart to make the kingdom of God greater. Can you say amen? And the last point in your notes, we weren't created just to live this life. We were created to live this life with God. See, that's, that's what the world's missing. They're trying to do it all on their own. But when we live this life, every part of this life, and God's in the middle of it, the mountaintops, oh my goodness. I'll never forget, 12 years old, Sid Lichten Field, Clearwater Baseball. I hit a grand slam home run, all stars, center field wall. I went around and it got there at home plate and I stopped and I did what all those baseball players are like. I always prayed, God, I'm doing this with you. At work, God, I'm doing this with you. With our family, God, we're doing this with you. In our marriages, God, we're doing this with you. And when you begin to allow God to be the center of every area of your life, oh my goodness, the blessings that will come to you, the joy that will come from you, because you're not doing it yourself. We all fail when we try to do it ourselves, but we give it to God and say, God, here we go. 
This is yours. My family is your family. My marriage is your marriage. My kids are your kids. Let's go. That's when God's blessing comes into your life. When you allow him to be in that rightful place in the center of it all. Can you say amen? 1960s. Woo. What a decade. 1970s are coming up next week. Woo. The 1970s. But let me tell you what we're going to talk about a little bit. There was a man by the name of John Lloyd that got saved in the 70s that started a coffee house ministry that revolutionized a huge part of what was called the Jesus movement where a bunch of hippies got saved and radically began to change America, came here in 1981. So what happened in the 70s is what planted countryside in the 80s. So get ready, because we're going to look at the 70s next week. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, times change, but you never do. And we stand in your faithfulness today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, before we dismiss today, maybe you're missing God being the center of your everything. I want you to know, you can start today. You can invite Christ to be the middle and the center and the rightful place of every area of your life simply by saying yes to God. His arms are always outstretched and open to us, waiting for us to respond with an invitation to come in. If that's you today and you say, Pastor Glenn, I'm tired of doing it on my own. Today, I wanna to put God in the middle of it all. When I count to three, will you just raise your hand, look at me, I'm gonna pray for you. You will not be called out or embarrassed, but I believe that today will be a new day for you in your life. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. You wanna put God in the middle. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, I see your hand and yours. God bless you. Coming over to the center. Yes, 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 yes. See your hand in yours and yours and yours and yours. Amen. Thank you. Yes, I see your hand in yours. Can we all pray for the sake of all those that raise their hands today? If you're watching online, this is your day as well. Just pray with me now. Let's repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you that even though times change, you never do. Today, I put you in that rightful place in my heart, the center of my everything. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I accept you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior, my God, my friend, my confidant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great praise offering. I want to encourage you to get your beef jerky on the way out. Isn't it great to have Pastor Tim back in the house today? God has done a work. Amen. Love you, brother. Everyone, I just want to say to you that your prayers, I felt every one of them. You are really amazing. I love you so much. Would you stand with me now? I wanna invite you that if you gave your heart to Jesus, maybe prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a gift for you. It's a book called A Fresh Start with God. It's a wonderful resource. And I wanna invite you after service to come up the front. We have these boxes on the sides and get one for yourself. But now to receive your blessing today, I wanna to give you a father's blessing. Would you just lift your hearts up, maybe turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. 
even if you've never received a Father's blessing before, I pronounce a blessing upon you and a double portion of it. That in your rising and that in your sleeping, God would be with you, that he would bless you and prosper you, and that he would bless others through you. I speak this over your life and over your generations. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Happy Father's Day.